This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Good morning. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Just to worship God? I mean, come on, one claps, everybody claps. That's the rules around here. Rules haven't changed just because I haven't said it in a while. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this title, Equipped to be Unleashed. You know, nothing is quite as um, frustrating, I believe, as being expected or asked to do something that you really don't understand or that you're not really properly equipped for. Isn't that frustrating when somebody asks you to do something? Or maybe even worse, someone asks you to do something or get involved in something and you didn't know what you were getting involved in until you actually started doing what it was that you were asked to do. And then you go, oh boy. I remember when I was about 12 years old, I had a buddy of mine that said, hey, Derek, you, uh, you want to go make some extra money? I'm 12 years old. Sure. Sounds good. Let's go make some money. What are we going to do? I wasn't prepared. I didn't know. I was just going to go make some money. Well, he wanted to go work at a chicken farm. I showed up at this chicken farm. I've never worked in a chicken farm before. He shows up. I show up. I'm like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? The guy takes him, drops him off at one part of the farm, takes me in his truck, drops me off at another part of the farm, gives me no instructions, just expects that I know because my buddy knows what to do, and here I am in the chicken farm, and I'm supposed to be there. He said, I'll come pick you up at lunch, and it's like 6 in the morning. (laughs) So here I am, 12 years old, scared out of my mind. This is before 12-year-olds had cell phones. This is before. (laughs) Here I am. 12 years old in this chicken coop, and I'm going, oh boy, there's hundreds of chickens, and some of them are dead. So I said, well, maybe he wants me to separate the dead ones from the live ones. So I go, and I just make a pile of dead chickens. And um, then I'm like, okay, I'm not dressed for this gig. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And that's really frustrating sometimes when we're not properly equipped, when we don't really know what is going on. And, you know, I think that we need to understand this walk that we call Christianity, this walk with God as believers, we need to understand and be properly equipped so we can be unleashed with confidence to be the people of God and to be the church that God has called us to be. Amen? He wants us to move forward being the people that He's created and called us to be. But to do that, we need to be properly equipped to be unleashed and understand how we grow in Christ, what that actually means to grow with God and grow in our relationship with Him. Because, you know, growing in loving God really means growing in relationship. That's what it's all about. It's growing in relationship. That's what we talk about. When you see out there on that big red wall when you walk in, Love God, love people, and serve the world. Serve the world and loving people is very important, and we want to do those things, but it should stem from our love for God. That's where we've got to start. And loving God is having a relationship with Him. That means growing in knowing Him. You know, God wants us to desire to know Him more. We say things like that a lot in church. God, I want to know you more. And it's more than just a great line for a Christian song. Because I don't think there's ever been a Christian album ever put out that didn't have a song with that lyric in it, God, I want to know you more. You hear it all the time. But so many times we hear things like that and we'll say things like that, but we don't really know how to go about that. Well, does that mean go to church more? I mean, you guys are not open all the time. I mean, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. How do I know God more? I mean, 
Do I need to, do I need to pray more? Do I need to you know, read my Bible more? What, what does that mean to know God more? And we say things like, seek God. Or seek the face of God. And all these things sound really spiritual and really important. And we know that we're supposed to say them because we're Christians. And that's what Christians say. And when we hear it, we say amen. But we don't really understand what we're saying or what is meant by what was said. And so I really want us to go on this journey today through the Word of God about different ways and how you and I can grow in that relationship with God. Grow in loving God because everything that we do is going to stem from that. So I want you to go to the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Jeremiah 29. And I know that there's a very familiar passage of Scripture here in Jeremiah 29 that is on a lot of um, wood-carved things that are above people's mantelpieces or hanging in their homes or bumper stickers. Jeremiah 29 and 11, which is what we hear often quoted. You know, Jeremiah 29 11 that says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And when you call upon me and you pray to me, I will listen to you. But I want us to focus on verse 13 this morning. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, And you will seek me, and you'll find me, when you search for me with all of your heart. Look at somebody and say, all your heart. With all of your heart. That's when he says, verse 14, I'll be found by you, says the Lord. But we don't look a lot of times at the context in which the scripture is being shared, because the scripture is actually a prophecy from the prophet Jeremiah. And what was going on during the time of this prophecy when it was given, because that's how God spoke to people in the Old Testament. He would give prophets words from him, and the prophets would go and share those words with whatever person or group of people. And here's this prophet Jeremiah who is speaking the words of God to the nation of Israel, to the people of Israel, because they found themselves once again in captivity. They've been in captivity by the Babylonians. And every time the children of Israel got found in uh, captivity, it was by their own doings. It was by stupid things that they did or disobedience from God or because they began to worship false idols or whatever the case may have been. And they found themselves in captivity over the deal. And then next thing you know, they're going, where is God? What happened? Why are we in captivity? And they're feeling like now all of a sudden God doesn't like them anymore, that God has somehow disconnected himself from them. But what they don't understand is that God is a covenant-keeping God. That means he keeps his promises. And God made a promise with their father, Abraham. And he said, listen, I'm going to always be there for you. I'm not going to leave you. You're always going to be my people. And so in the context that this was written, it was written to a people who were imprisoned, a people who were in captivity by the Babylonians. And they stayed in that captivity for 70 years. And then here's Jeremiah speaking the words of the Lord to them, saying, you will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. In other words, God was telling them, I desire a relationship with you. I desire for you to serve me. I desire for you to trust me, for you to love me, for you to obey me. I'm still desiring the same thing from you. I haven't quit desiring the same thing from you. I haven't written you off. I haven't disconnected myself from you. I'm still saying I'm your God and you're my people. I'm just letting you know that if you're wondering where I am while you're in captivity, if you seek me, you're going to find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. You see, God desires for us to know him and to grow in our understanding of him. That's why he gave us his word. That's why he gave us his truth that we know is the Bible. We have this word, this truth, this understanding of a portion of who God is. 
That's why he desires for us to pray to him, to talk to him, to worship him, and to learn about him in a church setting and, as, and on our own as well. Because God wants us to know him in a very real and personal way. A lot of times we approach God as if he's some checkoff list that we're trying to accomplish all these tasks and that's my relationship with God. We look at God as, okay, I prayed this long, I read my Bible this long, I did this this long, okay, I'm good, you and me, God, we're good, I'm going to just kind of forget about you and go about my day. And God says, no, I actually want to be the centerpiece of your life that affects everything. I want you to know me personally. You know, uh, us, us men that, that are married, we don't just spend, hopefully, we don't just spend an hour and a half once a week with our wives. Where we go, hey, I'll sing you a real pretty song, maybe two or three, maybe we'll take a little break and maybe I'll give you some money. And then after that, we'll sing a couple more songs to you. And then after I'm done singing those songs, sweetie, guess what? We're going to sit down and we're going to talk for a little while and, and I'm wanting to learn a little bit more about you. And oh, those things are great. And I might say a, a couple of things that I want to ask you about, but guess what? That was good. I'll see you next week. We don't treat our relationships with our spouses like that. But yet, oftentimes, we treat our relationship with God like that. We, we check it off, and we're done with that, and so we just move on about our day. But growing in loving God means growing in relationship with Him, and relationship stems beyond a checkoff list or just things that it, we think we're supposed to do and what we think a relationship with God looks like. Because maybe you think, oh, prayer, that's where it's at. I've got to pray more to have a relationship with God. That's what that means, to have a relationship with God, to pray. So you read a book on prayer, and there's a story in this book that's on prayer that says there's this guy who woke up every morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he hit his knees on this hardwood floor, and he prayed so hard and so long that the hardwood floor was stained with his tears, and there were actually um, just, just wearing tear on the floor where you could see the imprint of his knees because he just cried out to God every morning and he just cried out on behalf of other people and you're like I can't even pray for 30 minutes I run out of things to say and you feel like you're a terrible Christian and you're like um okay thank you God for the the, the bugs and the, the, the trees and that bus over there and I'm not sure what else to say and we think, but i got to keep going because that's what's important is that I keep going because i got to pray this long to be this spiritual. And that's not what it means to have a relationship with God. If you're praying and you're wearing all of the, 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 the wood out in your floor and I can see where your knees are, that's awesome as long as you're praying from your heart. I said, from your heart. God spoke through Jeremiah and said, you'll find me, not when you seek me with all the things you've checked off on your list to try to be good enough. No, he said, you'll seek me, you'll, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God says, I'm interested in your heart. That's what I've always been after, and that's still what I'm after. I'm not after a certain amount of time that God goes, oh boy, look at that guy. He is praying. He's a praying machine. He's thinking about things I haven't even thought about. And I'm God. This is incredible. This guy's just praying like crazy. I like him a lot. Matter of fact, I like him and he's, he, he's better than all these other people. All you other people need to learn a lesson from this guy. No, that's not how God looks at us. But that's often how we look at God and how we think he's looking at us. That's not relationship. That's just religious requirement that we think we need to meet in order to have relationship. Oh, if I memorize this, if I say this, if I stand up at this time and sit down at this time, and all these different things that we think, oh, I've got to do everything just perfect and just right to, be in, to have a relationship with God. You know, my kids have a relationship with me, and they have good relationship with me. Matter of fact, my son has been drawing these really crazy pictures lately. 
And they're absolutely insane. My son is seven years old. He's been coming up with these characters that he's making up. And there's this one guy. His name is Mr. Muscle. And he's got muscles. He's got muscles on his face. He's got muscles on his arms. On his legs, just everywhere. There's muscles everywhere. And then he's got this other guy. You know, he's Shark Man. And he has two shark faces on his hands. And he's just got these shark faces. And he's got a shark head. And then he's got another guy that has a, a monocle. And he has a mustache. And he wears some funny clothes. And he has a gun in one hand and a hook for a hand on the other. And I'm like, he's just telling me the stories about all of these guys. All these characters that he's created. And he just comes up to me and just says, hey, dad, guess what? I created another character. His name's Alligator Man. He has alligators on his hands. And I'm wondering, what else can you put on a guy's hands? And he's going to figure it out. And he's going to put something on something's hands and name it, whatever that is, that kind of man, you know. And he, and he just comes right up to me and tells me, because I sit there and listen, and I ask him different things about his characters, and he'll sit there and tell me about all these things that he's coming up with. And I just think it's so cool, all the stuff that's in his mind and in his imagination that he's coming up with. But you know, he doesn't go, okay, before I go talk to my dad, i got to make sure I get all my stuff just, just in order. i got to get all my papers just right. Okay, let me practice in the mirror. Let me say, okay, dad, this is the character that I created. Will you be interested in something that's going on in my life? Okay, let me see. How can I make it to where it's interesting to him? Let me see. Okay, maybe if I do this. Maybe, if, maybe just a minute. Oh, Dad, if it's not too much trouble, if it's not. He doesn't come to me that way. He doesn't immediately get rejected. No, he comes to me boldly. He doesn't even think about it. He just runs right up to me and goes, Hey, look at this. Look at this new character I made. Look at this thing that I drew. And I immediately listen to him. And you see, God is our Father, and that's the type of relationship He wants to have with His children. Not just some to-do list and a task list. Amen? And He wants us to grow in that. He wants us to be able to talk to Him. The Bible says that we can come boldly to God and talk to Him. And we don't have to say everything just right. God is not impressed that you can say everything in the King's English. Oh, Father, I cometh thou before thee today. Amen. Amen. Oh. I ask if you to heareth thine lowly servant's prayer. Um. That's not how it works. That's not a relationship. Amen? Amen? That is not a relationship. That's just me trying to be good enough to try to get God's attention or get him to listen to me. No, growing in loving God means growing in relationship. And if we're ever going to effectively love people and serve the world, if we're ever going to effectively do those things, we must grow in our relationship with God because everything else stems from that relationship. Everything. Everything we do stems from that. I want you to go to the book of Ephesians in the fourth chapter. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 11. Ephesians 4 and verse 11 says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, 
according to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And here we see in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he starts off by Jesus is, this, this is Jesus, it's speaking of who gave these gifts, these five ministry gifts, these five leadership gifts, or what we often will dub or call the fivefold ministry. We hear, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the purpose of those ministry gifts is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to equip the saints. Now, the five leadership gifts were given to the church to equip the people for the working of of ministry, and that was the purpose of those gifts. Now, on this journey as a follower of Christ, you must learn that there is a part that's going to aid in equipping you. There's a part that's actually going to aid in helping you grow, and that is those five ministry gifts that God has given to the church to help us to grow, to help us to learn, to help us to understand the Word of God so we can apply it in our lives, to help mentor and help give opportunity and just help us to be able to be the people that God has called us to be. And they are there to aid and to help. But there is the part that you also must recognize that you must continue to grow on your own as well because too many times people depend on these leadership gifts for all of their growth as a believer. That's all they look at. That's all they depend on. But there's so much more than just coming to church or being exposed to church leadership to aid you in your growth and your relationship with God. You can do this on your own as well, and it's my job to help equip you to be able to grow on your own as well. I want to teach you things. I want to help you to grow. I want to give you biblical instruction, but I don't want your whole relationship with God to be wrapped up in what I tell you or what Pastor Mike tells you or Pastor Stephen or Pastor Keith or anyone that you respect and, 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 and listen to on the radio or television. No, it's got to be more than just something that we do that we've somehow compartmentalized that my relationship with God is only what happens at church or when I'm with a spiritual leader. No, you need to understand that we're supposed to aid and equip you to be able to take that next step and be able to do that work of the ministry. And it causes edification of the whole body of Christ when we all grow. Now, with that being said, though, teaching and preaching the Word of God is the most important thing that we do here at Word of Grace. Most important thing that we do. Amen, somebody? Everything we do here centers around that. Everything that we do. So don't think that anything is just happening just because. We try to not do anything just because. We don't want to do things just because we think it's cool or just because we think it's a good idea. No, we want to do things because we want to help people to be in an environment where the Word of God can be shared and they can receive the Word of God in a way that they can understand it and that it's going to impact and affect their lives. That's why we do everything that we do here is to help you to grow in your understanding of who God is because we're wanting to point you to loving God more because as you love God, you're going to naturally love the things that He loves. As you grow in relationship with Him, then all of a sudden you just have a natural love for people and you want to serve. And then we give you those opportunities here as well but there's opportunity everywhere and it's all around us and it all stems from us recognizing first that we love God that we have relationship with God you see everything we do centers around the fact of understanding the word of God because it's helping you to understand God when you understand and learn who he is and then you love him more because you understand you remember maybe those of you that are married when you first started 
dating your spouse, those phone calls. I love you more. No, I love you more. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, I'm not going to hang up. You hang up. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there, girl. What you doing? All that stuff going on when you were first talking. Man, you stayed up till all hours of the night getting to know one another. It's like, wow. You're so amazing. You're so incredible. I'll write you love letters. I'll do all these things because I want to get to know you more and I want to express to you how I feel. You just want to get to know them. You couldn't get enough of getting to know them. You know, and then one day you wake up, you're like, your breath stank. And then... <laughs> but you know what's funny? That's a joke. That doesn't happen. I know. Yes, it does happen. I know. Whew, I was talking about Jesus or something. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> the thing is, is that we'll spend all that time getting to know that person, and you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been married, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It doesn't matter the length of your marriage. You can still say, I'm still learning more and more about that person that has been my partner for life. Still learning more about them every day. Still learning things, you know. I, I, I heard it just in a meeting the other day. Somebody was talking about they had been married for... You know, I think it was 20-something years, and, and, and they said, you know, even all the things we've been married is we've even talked to other couples who are married. We've said things, you know, uh, in those meetings trying to counsel and help other couples that when we get in the car and we go home, we're like, I didn't know you felt that way about that, or I didn't know that I did that. I've been married 20 years. So you're still learning more and more, but it's exciting to do life together, to go on that adventure together, to get to know one another more, and to still be interested in one another. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be excited to know more about Him, to never get enough, to always be learning more about who He is, how He thinks, how He feels. And so we can get to understand Him, how we can relate to Him, because God is a very relatable God. Amen? He wants us to understand Him, and He wants to show Himself to us through us spending time with Him and talking to Him and through His Word. And that's what the five-fold ministry, those five leadership gifts, are to do or to help us to understand through the Word of God. Let me show you this in the book of Acts and the sixth chapter. Acts chapter 6, the disciples, this is after Jesus had already ascended into heaven and now the church is blowing up. I mean, the church is just going crazy and, and, and people are getting saved left and right. So Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 says this, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, and Pumbaa, and Nicolaus, and a, prosel a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests were obedient to the faith. Now check this out. Here these guys, the, the, these, these disciples, decided it was so important for them to spend time studying the word of God to be able to help the people understand more about God. It was so important that they said, you know what? 
we understand there have been certain areas that have been neglected, so what we're going to do is we're going to find people who are well able that we can delegate some of this stuff to because we can't stop giving ourselves over to the Word of God. It's more important for us to give ourselves to the Word, to be able to help others to understand about who Christ is and to come to Christ and to grow in that walk with God. And so it's more important that we do this. And everybody said, okay. And then because the disciples decided to do that, decided to make that their focus, you see in verse 7, the Word of God spread as a result. And a great number of disciples, uh, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And you see how people just all of a sudden began to get saved, and it was already effective, it was already doing well, but then as the Word of God spread and as more people understood, then guess what? It spread even more. So the Word of God is very important. It was so important for the disciples to give themselves to the studying of the Word of God that they delegated those other things because they saw that they needed to help others continue to grow in the Word. And as this happened, the church's influence grew, the number of people coming to Christ increased, and as important... As, as, as important a part that other teachers and people operate in those five leadership gifts in the church growth are, our relationship with God and what we know about God and what we know of God and our relationship with Him does not need to stop there because God desires for us to grow with Him personally. Amen, somebody? Amen. We need to grow personally with God. You can grow in the Word of God yourself and understand the Word on your own as well. That's revelation to a lot of people. Because sometimes they look at the Bible and they go, I don't really even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. I'm not sure exactly what to do. I, I, I've always heard that one of the best places to start that I've always kind of pointed people to that just kind of makes sense. If, if the Bible doesn't make any sense to you at all, you can start in a book like James. James is one of the uh, most uh, easiest to just comprehend and understand. Just says a lot of things that you and I still deal with today that actually will help you. Or you can start somewhere like in the book of Proverbs or start in Psalms, just beginning to grow in your worship for who God is. You don't always feel obligated. To, I've read Genesis a thousand times and then I give up halfway through. <laughs> I know the story of Genesis better than any other story because I said, this year I'm going to read the Bible through. Genesis chapter 4. Woo! I don't know about this. You get discouraged and you want to give up. And then you feel guilty, you feel condemned, you feel bad. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I guess I'll just go to church and they'll explain it to me and then that's the end of my relationship with God. No, you can understand the Word of God on your own. Before you go into the Word of God and maybe you're having a difficult time understanding it, pray. Ask God to help you. Ask one of us as pastors or leaders or someone who's a friend that you know may be educated in things of the Scripture. That's not a knock on you. I think that's great, actually. I think that a pin a rose on your nose because, hey, you're, at least you're trying to understand, right? I think that's more important that you understand what God is saying than you just read it and go, boy, I, I'm supposed to read this, but mm, I don't know what it's saying. I want you to understand it, and God wants you to understand it, too. And you can. You can. You can understand His Word, and you can grow in that relationship in that part of your relationship with Him. Uh, you know, but here's the thing. Remember what we read early in Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, When you seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. You remember that? When you seek me with all of your heart. You see, this is a heart issue. This is not a, oh, I've read this many chapters or this many scriptures today and I'm done with my God time. I remember I, one of my best friends growing up, his name is James. And James was the praise and worship leader at our church that I grew up in. And James was just, I just thought he was the most spiritual person, you know. I just thought he was just had it all together. 
And the more I got to know James, the more I found out he didn't. But he was trying, and he was trying to be good enough, and I was trying to be good enough, and we were still trying to see, okay, maybe we need to pray this much every day or read the Bible this much every day. And we tried all these different ways to, you know, maybe if we do, did it this much, then God would approve of us. Then maybe we would have enough faith to be able to actually live for him and serve him and, and walk in the blessings that we're supposed to walk in. And the reason this is happening is because we're not doing this right or this right. And so we just would always feel this condemnation all the time. Let me tell you, God does not use condemnation to motivate you to relationship with him. <laughs> okay, back to James. I spent the night at James' house one time, and I had never been to his house up, uh, to spend the night up until this point, and uh, walked into his bedroom, and uh, I saw this poster that uh, he, had, he had made. One of those big poster boards, you know, he put up there, and he had used marker and wrote on it. And he wrote, do these things every day. Number one, pray for an hour. Number two, read your Bible for an hour. Number three, don't let anything become just a habit. <laughs> and I looked at that, and I said, James, I made him mad. I made him real mad that day. I told him, I said, isn't that kind of making that just a habit, you know? And there's nothing wrong with putting structured time into your life to spend time with God. But I, I think that we shouldn't feel obligated that it somehow equates to our spirituality because I've checked off my list. My Bible tells me to seek God with my heart. Amen? And if you can do that in the context of a list, wonderful. But just because when, oftentimes we think we have to do this or perform at this certain level... For us to have relationship with God, for Him to actually want to talk to us or acknowledge us or bless us or to walk with us. The Bible says, listen, it's not my things that I have done. It's what Jesus did and it's my faith in Him that helps me to walk with God, not what I do. Amen? Amen. It's me growing with Him. It's me desiring Him from my heart. Not because I go, oh, i got to be like this guy and he does this, so I want to do that. And I, you know, I grew up with this kind of pressure as a pastor, man. When I first stepped into ministry, I would hear all these other youth ministers and pastors and people get up there and talk about, you know, I've been up since 4 o'clock this morning and I've been fasting for two weeks and I've been just fasting for this conference that we're all a part of today. And I'm going, wow, man, I'm a really crummy Christian. And I look at that and I go, I have never fasted for two weeks I have never, you know, woke up at four in the morning and spent, you know, eight hours straight in, in prayer. And I feel like, man, well, I have to do this. So I would set my alarm and I'd wake up and, okay, if I'm going to be like that guy, then I have, to, I have to pray and I have to be like this guy. And then it's like God just started waking me up to the fact, why are you doing this? This is not from your heart. Christianity is not a I do this so God will do this type relationship. That's religion. That's just trying to exchange. That's just trying to manipulate and get what I can from God instead of getting to know Him because I love Him. It's not just you push this button and then all of a sudden all of the candy falls out. <laughs> and we've got to stop looking at relationship with God that way. Amen? We've got to stop looking at God like He's just Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny that just delivers us these gifts if we've been a good boy or girl. He wants us to know Him because He wants us to love Him. Do you know that when God originally created us, when everything was perfect and there was no sin in the world, that God actually walked and talked with Adam in the Garden of Eden? Is that not crazy? It didn't say Adam had to, you know, hold his mouth just right. 
get in position because God's coming and he had to just do everything just perfect. No, it just made it so casual in Scripture. God walked and talked with Adam in the cool of the day in the garden. Just talked to him. Had relationship with him. And then all of a sudden sin comes in and now there's a division between man and God. But then all of a sudden comes Jesus Christ who restores all things and makes all things new and restores relationship between God and man just like it was in the Garden of Eden. So that means you and I can walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. Now we're not walking through the Garden of Eden. It's obvious. You can look around you and see this world's still full of sin, but that doesn't mean that I can't talk to God like I, as, as if I were in the garden because that relationship, that side of everything in my life has been restored. Now everything around me hasn't been yet restored, but it will be. And then we'll be in the garden all over again. But right now... I can still have that relationship in the middle of a world that's full of sin and the world that would try to pressure me and, 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 and would try to tempt me. I can still talk to Him. I can talk to God when I'm driving down the street. I can talk to God when I'm alone in my home. I can talk to God other places than just on a Sunday morning at a church. Amen? Amen. I can talk to God. Maybe you do need to build some structured time in your day to where you have that quiet alone time with God. And that's wonderful. But don't let it just become something that you check off and then you're done with God. He doesn't want to be a part of your life. He doesn't want to just be on your daytimer. God wants to be at the center of your life. Because when God is at the center of your life, He affects everything. He affects everything. When God's at the center of your life, when you allow Him to influence you and you have a relationship with Him, and you get to know him more, then all of a sudden you begin to see yourself growing and changing. And it's not that you were trying to be anyone or trying to do anything. It's just this relationship with God that you've grown in, loving God. All of a sudden it changes you from the inside out. You begin to think differently. You begin to value things differently because you're learning more of who God is and you're living your life and structuring your life and building your life and your values around his. That comes from relationship. Growing, in, growing with God is relational. He is our Father. Now, a lot of people have this idea that accessing God is some system or ritual or even a certain prayer that we learn. But that's not how God wants us to approach Him. He wants us to see Him as a dad. He wants us to see Him as a Father. That's, Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like all of those pagans pray. He said, like all of those people, they, the, Jesus called them pagans. He called them heathens. He said, don't pray like they pray whenever they're just praying all their vain babblings and just all of these things that they're just up there just praying to be seen of men. Don't, don't pray like they pray. As a matter of fact, when you go to pray, you need to pray like this. Say things like this. Say, our Father. That's how you need to lead off. My Father who's in heaven. Holy is your name. I recognize that you're holy. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life on this earth just like you want it done in heaven give me this day the things that I need my daily bread forgive me of the things that I've done wrong the trespasses that I've done to others and I'll forgive those who have done the same to me he said this is how I want you to pray these are the things that, it's relational I want you to talk to God but the very first thing he says is to address him as father you know that in the Old Testament that God was referred to as a father maybe just a handful of times. I think it's 12 times. But do you know that just Jesus alone mentions God as father over 60 times? 
Because something shifts, something changed when Jesus came on the scene. All of a sudden, a relationship had been restored that was once disconnected because of sin. And now we can call him Father. Matter of fact, Romans 8 and 15 says, You haven't received a spirit of fear that makes you slaves. He said, But instead, you've received a spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God, Father, God. For some of us, it's really hard to hear those things because maybe we had a poor example of what a dad should be or maybe not a dad at all. But don't assume that there is a correlation between your heavenly father and your earthly father. Don't assume that just because your earthly father wasn't around that God is going to abandon you. Because here's the thing. Our earthly fathers, no matter how good or bad they were, are not perfect. Amen? Amen. But our Heavenly Father is perfect in every way. So guess what? We all have a good dad. I don't care if you had a really crummy dad growing up. We all have a good dad. He is God our Father. And He's perfect in every single way. But doesn't that help us to recognize that he's perfect and he's our father and he wants relationship with us. And, and, and that should also help us to recognize that as earthly fathers, that we need to understand it's so important how we act as fathers because we're helping our children to develop a perception of Father God. Amen? We're helping our children to develop that perception because a lot of us, we hear God as Father and then all of a sudden we go back in our minds to disappointment or hurt, or abandonment, or abuse, or neglect, or whatever the case may be. We think of someone who was always angry, someone who was always disconnected, someone who was always uninterested in me. Or we may think of, you know, someone who, you know, uh, wasn't even ever there. And then we go, God is my father? That doesn't, that doesn't compute. But he's a perfect father. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen? He said, it's not, my love is not contingent upon your performance. He said that you're not saved because of how good you are. You were saved because of how good Jesus was and is. He said, you're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift that he gave us as a father to us that we receive. That's how we're saved. That's how we're forgiven. That's how we're made whole. Not through what we did, through what Jesus did. And God says, I want you to know me personally. He's not going to abandon you because he can be trusted. He loves you with an unfailing love even when you fail. He's faithful even when you're unfaithful. He wants you to understand his love for you. So don't focus so much on trying to check off your God time or how much time is enough time. Don't even focus on the right things to say. Instead, approach him like a child who loves their father would to a father that very much loves his child. Because Jesus said, you have to come to me like these little kids you see how these kids came and just ran and just jumped up in my lap so that's how the father wants us to come to him like these little kids that very much love their father and in return their father very much loves them growing in our relationship with God will equip us to be unleashed to love people and to serve the world the most effective Christians and the most effective churches aren't those who can say everything right and do everything the best. The most effective are those who have a relationship with God, their Father, and grow in it. Amen? Amen. 
That's how we're going to be effective. That's how we're going to effectively love people and serve the world, is by us growing in our love for God, growing in our relationship with Him, and going further and deeper with Him, getting to know Him on deeper, more intimate levels, growing and understanding who He is. That's what He wants from us. Everything we do here at Word of Grace is to help to equip you to understand who you are in Christ and to grow in your relationship with God the Father. So let the knowledge of His great love transform the way you view God, the way you view yourself, so you can be free to grow in loving God our Father, our Dad, our Heavenly Dad, our Heavenly Father who is perfect in every single way. That's what He desires from you. That's what He desires from me, just to know Him. He said, when you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.